My name is Joe. I'm the dungeon master for this campaign, and this is Advantage. Last episode, and number 024, the party arrived at the ruined location of Trail's End, Ground Zero of the Burn. Despite being at the site of a massacre, greenery flourished. The only anomaly was the site of a small, unattended campfire. Smelling the smoke sent Morlinde into a spiritual connection. She heard in her head the voice of Kareth, her mentor, who retold the legend of the spirit Everflame in Druidic. Everflame is a spirit of death and rebirth in the natural world, and Morlinde understood what Kareth's intention had been. Kareth summoned Everflame in order to destroy and cleanse the Watched Forest and regrow it more in line with the spiritual vision of the cusp. Suddenly, Orlander Beechtail and many other sprites from the hundreds of thousands attacked the party with poisoned arrows and tied them up. The party was able to convince them that they meant no harm, and that they were only trying to protect the forest. And finally, the sprites set them free. And that's where we'll pick up. Two, three, clap. Sarah, I like that you counted along with me. That was good. There was a um, dance move involved, but you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, you guys are coming out of Trails End. Uh, and leaving Trails End, it isn't long until Marge the Deathbringer chugs around another bend in the Charmed River, and you find yourself at the site of Isotalos. The air feels both ancient and new, uh, green grass sprouts among the black ashen ruins of the city. The barge passes between the rock pillars that once supported a wooden bridge connecting the eastern and western banks of the river. It is quiet, but not silent. You hear the, the water of the river and the wind rustling through the branches, birds chirping in the trees. Isotalos is both familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. This space echoes with memories of the past and it's kind of understood by the six of you that you have to stop like you you must stop out of out of reverence out of memory uh though nobody quite requests it um and in this solemnness the five of you morlinde grimton alaris Ulrich, and neavan stand on the bank Nexby ties her barge to a blackened stump and then joins you, looking somberly at the skeleton of a town. Um, Nexby speaks gently to Morlinde, Ulrich, and Neavan. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry for what has happened to your homes. If it's not too hard on you emotionally, it would mean a, a great deal to me if the three of you would would show me around. I I never made it here to see Isitalos in its prime, but I would I would love to imagine it with you if that's okay. Sure. Well, Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> I, like, I like that your response was sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I mean it wasn't sure, it was long silence. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. So, we're going on a tour of Usatalos, uh, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's, there's certainly a life to this place, but it's not like there was at the Shrine to Everflame at Trail's End. Trail's End, where the, where the cleansing of the fire broke out, 
was a was the spiritual epicenter of the fire and thus carries the greatest amount of natural power during its regrowth not only was the land there biologically more fertile but also metaphysically more fertile as well that same life-giving presence extends here too but not nearly to the same degree isatalos is still shrouded in the memories of its past um, you see small gifts and treasures left by the protected remnants before they began their journey south to Letris. Um, blades, jewelry, tools, all left as offerings in the front of ruined homes. Names of the residents have been drawn in the ash on some of the walls, along with blessings of protection and hope. Um, you see feathers floating in the wind, tied to tree limbs and around trunks, just an act of memorializing the local spirits that dwelt inside them. And now I kind of want to offer it up to uh, the the two of you, uh, Merlinda and Ulrich. Where do you where do you want to see? Are 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 there any places in particular uh, that you guys want to go see? I mean, I have a whole list of like named locations, uh, but my. The first place I want to go is the last place I saw, actually, which is Brabuk's respite when I when I rescued him. Um, because yeah. I, I lived on top of that, if I remember correctly. You remember incorrectly, but what did I I thought <laughs> I thought my apartment oh no, his apartment was on top of it. Yeah, your your apartment was above a baker shop. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so I want to go there because that was like my favorite place to be next to my own okay. home. Yeah, uh, and I of course would want to see my home. Yeah. Um So, Auric just down the road from your apartment actually is the collapsed structure that used to be Brabic's respite, uh the tavern. And you remember that Brabic, the half-orc was one of the most friendly faces in Isatalos when you first arrived. He was a grumpy but good-natured guy that really took care of all his guests. Uh, he let you stay there for free until you found your job with the Warden Scout. You remember him celebrating with you on the night that you were given your letter of citizenship. Uh, he brought the entire pub drinks in your honor. On one occasion, you remember Brabeck was celebrating his birthday and had a few too many. Uh, almost enough to kill a normal man. But he, he had been playing cards, um, allowing one of his more trusted employees to run the inn. And, and winning until a string of bad hands caused him to go into the, a deep hole. He became so irritated that he just stood up and flipped a table over, and then st- he stood up so fast uh, that it seemed to remind his body that he was indeed very intoxicated and just immediately passed the heck out and fell onto the table that he just slipped. Um, <laughs> and the bar just went silent. And then the entire uh, inn just cheered loudly, erupted, and uh, and went along with their merriment. And Brabuk just stayed there until morning. And, of course, you remember going to rescue uh, Brabuk as he ran into his burning tavern to find his own letter of citizenship. You remember... Uh, him offering you the blessing of Elder Fallhide on the day that Isatalos left only a few weeks ago and how much that meant to him and how much it meant to you. So what, what feelings do, uh, as, as, as you tell these stories, Auric, and give life to this, to the site of um, this tavern, what feelings do do the stories invoke inside of you? Not you, Auric, but you, the collective. At first, for Auric, much in the same way that like telling stories about somebody who's just passed at their funeral starts with a sort of warm nostalgia, like it's just a good time. Like it's a good story, and I'm remembering it. But then, like as the amount of good stories and warm feelings increase, so does the feeling of loss. Um, yeah. And yeah. so there's that just like generally specific or rather specifically for this, this place and this event. But then at the same time, like for Ulrich, that brings up all of 
their losses and they think about um, their home uh, and their people and like how things are going and wondering. Um, and now like their old home uh, or, or their new their new home, Isatalos is gone. Like the sense of loss seems to increase until like in one of the stories, Arik just kind of stops telling it. Like the story wasn't over, but they couldn't they couldn't talk anymore. Um, that's yeah, what, that's what Arik is experiencing. What about everybody else? It's it's encouraging, but also um, it feels so far away. Like remembering how much how how much life and vibrancy existed in this community, not just only in the wildlife, which is where I always associate it with, but also just the people who lived here. There was so, I mean, there was so much life and it's weird to see it gone and it's weird to remember it as something that is not here anymore. And this is a feeling that I'm not ready for. Yeah. So are we, we're, we're all walking around um, Isatalos with them? Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, the uh, the six of you are together, you four, Nexby and Niavan, and it, you're just kind of ex- experiencing Isatalos as it is left in yeah. its abandoned state. What, what sort of feelings, what, what sort of feelings um, are you experiencing, Alaris? Um... I mean, there is the the sadness. Um, it's more like, I mean, obviously, don't I don't have the connection yeah, to, the, right. to the place as much as Ulrich and um, Orlinde, but hearing them talk about it and just hearing the stories of the people there and like it just it you know it makes you wish that you could have seen it in its like limelight or whatever. Yeah. Um, and in its prime, yeah, in its prime, um, because it seems like it would have been a just a place full of life and wonder and like I don't know, you know, like how do you how do you empathize with someone who's lost their entire home? Yeah, yeah. So your your party continues down the road and. Auric, the last time you saw your apartment and you searched through the remains the day after the fire, um, well, this, the soot has cooled, and you know that it is still too weak for you to walk on it without collapsing um, the building on top of the bakery below. You remember the lament that was held in the Council Valley, the reading of the names the husband and wife that you used to buy the very best honey bread in all of Isatalos from, uh, who owned this shop, did not make it. Um, Morlinde, this is also the first time that you've seen your home since Everflame destroyed Isatalos. Written on the stone walls in ash is the phrase, for protection of our daughter. May she save us all. Underneath are many, many names of your supporters written on the wall, some with messages of their own. Uh, The two days following the consumption were spent for you performing healing rituals and last rites, and your parents recognized your duties and left you to them, proud of how you lead your community. Uh, But... For your parents, you being tapped as the young oak was both a great honor and a great sacrifice. For 10 years of your training before Kareth left, you rarely spent a night in your bed, instead sleeping in the forest or in the hammock strung in Kareth's tree home. Vondra, your dad, and Tuile, your mom, lost their only child during those years. Your station required you to nearly abandon your family. How are they, now that they're in Letris? You ask yourself. What does this feel like to you, Melinda? It's 
seeing all of the the support written in written on stone um, and not just from my parents but from other citizens for once for the first time maybe maybe this entire journey yeah for the first time this entire journey I feel slightly less isolated yeah um, because I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> but someone is supporting me and someone believes in me and not just my parents but other citizens um, yeah so you know Kareth is pissed and running off with the zealots but I'm still here I can still do the job that I was ordained to do and people believe in that and yeah. even though I can't see them with my eyes it's I'm I'm glad that they're there. <laughs> I need them to be there and and I'm reminded of that. And I'm so thankful. I wasn't I don't think I was ready to come back to my parents' house for sure. I wasn't ready. Do you believe in yourself? Yes. <laughs> with a question mark? Um I'm going to do this job the right way. I just have to figure out what that is. I know that I I possess the ability. I'm just not sure how to make it work yet. But I I Morlinde does hold the belief that like she will make it work. She just doesn't <laughs> know if she's doing it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like yeah. As Morlinde, I am capable, especially with the help of the spirits, it's, and she's getting better at communicating with them, but she knows, like, she does feel, like, there are plenty of times where she feels inadequate and not ready to do this job, considering she only got, like, half her training. Right. So next door to the next to the Lai class residence um, lived Katomo, a good friend that you used to play with as a young child. He's now an ambassador uh, to the east somewhere. Was it was it Great Bear? You don't remember exactly. Um, you you remember that he was listed as missing during the lament and presumed to be alive because he was out of town. His mother and father were both consumed in Everflame's wrath. Does he even know? You walk past the Lycolas family shop where your parents sold their medicines and potions. This is where you learned herbalism as a child, Morlinde. You remember an elderly elf man so aged that it showed in wrinkles and laugh lines, very unusual for an elf. Uh, he would sell special ingredients that he found in the woods to your parents. Vaya was ancient and could tell the entire history of Isatalos from the very beginning. He was so excited at the news of your tapping as a young oak, Morlinde. He he talked about it for weeks and you could see you could see it in his eyes your your ancestors would be so proud he'd say it's remarkable that in his age that he lived through the fire but it's painful to remember that he followed elder cyanadel to the rock of visions yeah grimton i mean he used to be a shop owner too, so this kind of like brings him back to Hadirth a little bit. Just kind of reminds him of home a little bit, but he looks around and he sees like a very real reminder of how time stops for no man. So he just kind of 
picks his chin back up and keeps moving forward. And as you move forward, Grimton, actually, uh, you walk past the ruins of the blacksmith shop where you found Flame Tongue. Uh, Ulrich, you, you would walk past this direction on your way to the Keep of Crows um, when you were going on duty. And you remember that an elf father was training their daughter in the act of, or sorry, in the art of swordplay. She had been nearing the age of uh, adulthood, for which in East Italian tradition is about 20, uh, when the fire broke out. Grimton, do you remember what the etching on the hilt of the sword flame tongue said? No, I was going to ask you. For my daughter, as a vestige of our love. Oh. Grimton, as he's walking past the uh, smith shop where he found Flame Tongue, brandishes a Flame Tongue and, like, looks at it and sort of, like, looks to the rubble for any more reminders of, like, who this, saw, who this sword belonged to at some point. Yeah. Grimton. Wh- what are you doing? When the consumption happened I found flame tongue here like in the building as it was burning it has an inscription on the hilt I was just I guess looking for things to remind myself of or to learn things about who this belonged to can I see it sure thing what's uh what's the daughter's name again Joe it just says for my daughter as a vestige of our love. Did I know her name? No. Grimton, I um, I used to walk by this place. Uh, I didn't often need uh, a smith, but I walked by this place on my way to the Keep of Crows, uh, and there was clearly a blacksmith here, uh, and he was training his daughter in, in swordplay and fighting, and... Um, I think perhaps that sword was a gift for her. I see. I hope that on this journey, with every foe that is struck down by Flame Tongue, it brings justice to her death. The thing with this, too, Grimton, um, I mean. I've been very unsettled by this entire thing, not just because like things like this, the people I've known are gone, but because forces that play in this world but don't seem to have to deal with the ramifications of their actions are who are making these choices. Um, and I think, I think that weapon that you carry is a very real reminder both that, you know, not just our spirits, but your gods as well, have had their say in, in how things go in this world. Um, and that, at least for me, I feel like one of the only things we can trust is our own might, our own strength. Um, so, carry it well, but I think it's found a good home in you, especially as one who is no longer at their home. I don't, I don't know how you feel uh, about where you're from, but I know I personally miss my home very much. I certainly miss what Delve Deep and her dearth were. I miss their memory. But thank you, Ulrich. Your words mean a lot. Um, sort of out of character. I think that's the first time Ulrich has really like, talked to anybody about what they're feeling um yeah like me the player has discussed it but not the character presumably everybody else heard it um even though the conversation was with was with uh grimton it's also the first time not just that that they've shared it it's like the first time that the characters know that but the first time that grimton is or that grimton that Ulrich has said it out loud and i think that's the first time that it's become real for them. I think sometimes when we finally give voice to things and articulate them out loud, 
uh, and give them a name, then that's when they really find their hold. Uh, and so those ideas are, are sinking in just a little bit deeper uh, into Auric now that they've spoken them out loud. Thank you. Near the skeleton of the thatched city wall is the Keep of Crows, the headquarters of the Warden Scout. Chief Arrow was marked as missing during the lament, and it doesn't appear as though he's been here since. You enter, and three of the dozen or so crows roosting perks up and begin to chatter at you. You should probably write this down. Yeah, I was getting a pencil <laughs> ready. Hold on. All right. One says, Filburn, Squadron 9. Remnants are safe in Isitalos. Renlem and I are camped on the southern cache of the East Italian territory, awaiting news. A second crow says, Filburn, Squadron 9. Trist received warning of the Tempest Oath March. Renlem has gone to warn elders and Letris. We'll stay here for another few days and retreat come the new moon. And retreat come the new moon. Uh, is the new moon... Um, the event we're waiting on, which is them getting, uh, uh the Tempest Oath getting there. So, like, yes. he is presumably still there. Correct. Okay. Is, did you say there were three all talking? Yep. Uh, finally, the third crow speaking. All real. Squadron 9. Gnomes are safe, with the Sylvan rank trailing an unknown no number of warforged east to Isitalos. They're a week ahead of us. Be careful. Did I did I come in here alone, or was I? Did everybody come with me? Everybody came with you. We'll say that. Uh, and you also know that it's been a little more than a week since you last received word from All Real about leaving its Italian territory. So, the Warforged could be like here somewhere. <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> and and. At oh, the mention God. of the Warforged, oh. next B is on edge. Like, we gotta go sort of on edge. Uh, and Neavan uh, is, at, at that, is like, I would actually very much like to uh, to go to the sepulcher if you, if it's, if it's not all uh, that quick that we have to leave please um grimton thoughts think quickly we're could be i see no time. harm in spending another couple minutes here but we do need to make it fast yeah fast agreed and if we could continue south uh we might can catch up with filburn and have some additional firepower um with that auric draws their bow and goes and knocks an arrow. From here, the the trail leads out into the wilderness. Um, when the when the leaves were still in the trees, uh, you you weren't able to see the sepulcher or the sepulcher lofts in the distance. Um, this path was well trodden during the days following the consumption as citizens laid their loved ones to rest on the open-air platforms. Neavan, openly sobbing, uh, speaks up. She says, I need, need to go visit my family. <laughs> and she turns to uh, begin walking deeper into the sepulcher. Arik just like sort of hastily like does a quick scan of the area and follows Neavan okay. protectively. Yeah, can I, like, roll perception? Please. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, you forgot you were playing Dungeons and Dragons, huh? I was like, I was like, something is up. Something is up. What can I, I do about will, this? I yeah. will also roll perception. <laughs> that was a 14. Alaris, what are you doing? I don't even have my character sheet up. 
Um, I crit failed. Get, just so. getting ready. With everyone else. Okay. Uh, 24 for perception. Dang. Yeah. Um. What do I perceive, Joe? I'm just looking around into the woods because that crow definitely freaked me out a little bit. So what did Morlinde see? From this distance, you just see the sepulcher. Uh, you you don't see any foes. It just it seems to be the cemetery as you last saw it. Alaris, you specifically, unlike other cemeteries in the Pandominion, uh, where large plots of land would be cleared to bury the dead, uh, the sepulchers of the Watched Forest are plotted very intimately among the trees. And obviously, you've seen these before in the past couple of weeks, right? But it's still like a foreign sight to see especially in this mass thousands of charred bodies lay here open to the elements with small offerings to their memories placed at the bases of the trees in in the center is a large boulder that's carved with uh with runes in memory of the ancestor spirits to gain their wisdom and Neavan uh, says my sons and just runs forward toward the great stone a few dozen yards away and places her hands on it she says I pray that you you feel my love for you knowing I wasn't there when it it makes me want to die I would gladly give myself for you. I wish it was me. And she she takes out a knife. But it wasn't. I lived and I must accept that. Great ancestor spirits, give, give me a purpose. Give me a sign. I give you everything I have. And she draws her hair back and takes the dagger and cuts off her ponytail, leaving... Uh, a ragged mop. She removes her clothes and rests them in a pile on the rock with the blade. And Neavan weeps. Uh, you you give her space, un unsure of what she's doing, but you're ready just in case. And now, Morlande, your uh, perception check is going to come into play. You see movement, Morlinde, out of the out of the side of your eye, and you see what looks to be this this humanoid trunk, the tree trunk, with uh, a hole about face height, uh, with just two glowing yellow eyes, perfectly circular. In one hand, it wields a branch like a club, and the other uh, is a warped root shield and it begins to go towards you Melinda, give me a nature check or or a religion check or an arcana check whichever one you prefer uh 15 15 total yeah 15 total this is a woodwoad it's a powerful plant in humanoid form and and invested with the soul of somebody who has given their life to become an eternal guardian the, the monster manual says, and I just got to re repeat it straight. Uh, the ritual to create a woodwode is a primeval secret passed down through generations of savage societies and dark druid circles. Performing the ritual isn't necessarily an act of evil if the victim-to-be has entered into a bargain that requires it to be a willing sacrifice. And just to give you uh, even more detail... In the ritual, a living person's chest is pierced and the heart removed. A seed is then pushed into the heart and then planted in a tree. Any hollow or crook will do, but often a special cavity is carved out of the trunk. And then the tree is then bathed and watered with the blood of the sacrificed victim and the body is buried among the tree roots. After three days, a sprout emerges from the ground and the base of the tree uh, and it swiftly grows into a humanoid form. And the new body, armored with tough bark and bearing a gnarled club and shield, is at once ready to perform its duty. The one who performed the ritual sets the woodwode to its task, and the creature follows its orders unceasingly. Everybody roll for initiative. Yeah.
Hey friends, it's Joe. So glad you've joined us for number 025 of Advantage. We are so close to our first anniversary. Um, I'm astounded that we've been able to do this. On January 2nd, we're going to release two episodes in celebration. One will be the normal story, number 027, and the second will be the whole cast and I talking about the show uh, so far and me asking them trivia questions about the story to see if they've really been paying attention. Um, thanks to everybody who's gotten us this far and kept us going. Daniel Grayling, who did our digital art, and Blake Boss, who wrote the soundtrack playing behind me, which you can hear at soundcloud.com slash blakebost. Also, thanks to Labor of Love Graphics for their help with web design over at advantagednd.com. Thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, receiving funds is a great release to us. Uh, it help in helps ensure a high-quality product for you as our listeners. Um, if you're feeling generous, if you love the show, and if you want us to do a better job at it, it would be a great deal of help if you could contribute at patreon.com slash advantage DND. Thanks to everybody who has donated so far. Each of those tiers comes with a reward attached. At $5 a month, donors get to hang out with the cast and me before we record. At $10, you can stay on the call as we record and get a sneak peek of what you'll be hearing later on in 2018. Um, this month, we're planning on recording a lot while school is out, uh, and we would love for you to join us. Again, that link is patreon.com slash advantage DND. Um, hey, I know I've been talking about it for months, so you should be absolutely stoked for the release of the Switch series episode that I ran for the cast of How Friends Roll over on their channel. Um, I adore their show, which are uh, short-form campaigns with a rotating cast, and I'm thrilled to have gotten to play Dungeons & Dragons with Alex, Kristen, and Sully. Uh, you absolutely need to listen to it. Go find it on iTunes or on Twitter, at HowFriendsRoll. Um, make sure to listen to the credits, where Sully and I pitched to y'all the idea for the, the future of the Switch series. Um, we need your help. You can reach out to us and get in contact about all of that, Offer by emailing me at advantagednd at gmail.com. Um, our handles are on social media. Our handles on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, are all at advantagednd as well. Um, send us voicemails so that we can cut them into the show. Uh, and again, our Patreon page, donating at patreon.com slash advantagednd is the most powerful way that you can show support for the show. Um, if you can't afford that, leaving an iTunes review is a great way to help bring in new fans. Really, all I want for Candle Nights are your iTunes reviews and maybe some new mics. Either way, the more ratings we have, the more people will find the podcast and the better we'll get. Uh, all right, let's get back to the show. Thank you. This is really dumb, but I just figured out why my audio tracks have been so ding dang bad. Um, on QuickTime, we were using the wrong microphone, and I just never figured it out until right now. That'll be fixed in future episodes. Sorry about that. Do you know who set off this before? You don't. <laughs> the rest of us don't even know what this darn thing is. Uh, I rolled a 14, Joe. 14? 17. 17? 12. Hey, Zach, do you have that character sheet that I... Uh, had you create by any chance? No, I forgot. I'm sorry, Joe. No, oh, bummer. Okay. I rolled 19. There's a wood woad. Wood woad? How is it? Woad. W-O-A-D. Wood woad. It's coming at us with a scary club thing, so we should do something. Will you give us a quick, like, how we're all standing like, in an array? Yeah, how do you want to be standing in an array? Well, okay, I'm not I'm not properly imagining this space, I think. We are just in the woods, and there's a bunch of these, like, funeral pyres, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, not pyres, but funeral platforms. Platforms, yeah. Are they arrayed, like, in a grid, or are they... No, it's just scattered among the trees. It's very haphazard. It's wherever there's a tree. Well, we were right next to one, so here's... Let's imagine this. If you imagine, like, a square... Yep. In the top right corner of the square is the sepulcher, and Neovan is just underneath that, like, up and down, and we are all just sort of in an arc, kind of in the middle of the square facing that corner and this thing just came around the right side of the sepulchre toward yeah. did you say it was going toward Morlinde? Yeah, it's going to whomever. Morlinde just saw yeah. it. Let's say then let's say then that the way we're arrayed in an arc is Morlinde to the far right. Um 
me to her immediate left, Grimton to my immediate left, and Alaris to Grimton's immediate left. But like we're arcing up toward the, it's a, it's an arc. I'm not entirely sure if I caught that. It's but, hard to do this, uh, okay? I could draw the picture yeah, very easily. Difficult. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the battle. Yeah. Morland is gonna go for it, go first. Eventually, we're gonna get to next be a Neovan. Zach, if you could play Neovan, um, she's being classed as a level one barbarian, but unfortunately, I don't have those stats on sure. her. Um, so we're gonna give her temporarily, um, probably 16 HP and. Mm-hmm. Uh, have her pick up a branch at some point and give her a, a d8 for a uh, great club and then add like a plus three um sure, sure. for strength okay. um yeah and I'll, I'll get that thing written up because i'm sure we'll be traveling with her for a while i'm sorry Jim, yeah. i just completely slipped my mind no it's okay uh and yesy if you could play next b um we'll give her 10 hp and well i mean she should be eventually be classed as an alchemist but she doesn't have a spell book or anything and so uh, she's just gonna do her best and you can do however she wish <laughs> sounds good we'll, we'll, we'll give her a dagger or something if you want uh and feel free to use the environment um Morlinde, it's your turn i'll try and set it on fire um <laughs> where the heck is it it was on the other one i'm so sorry it's okay. We're going to bypass your turn and you can come in. Grimton, it's your yep. turn. Grimton, go. Can I do a perception check as a free action just to see if, sure. like, this go is it. it? Still wary of any, like, uh, yeah. Uh, that that was a two, so. Uh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, gonna, starting off strong, guys. I'm going to uh, gonna take out Flame Tongue, and I guess I'm going to. I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to charge in. Try to take a swipe. That was that's nah, like a four plus whatever. That's not gonna get there. So yeah, it doesn't. Good start. Uh, <laughs> the woodwode is going to attack you since you are right there. It's going to swing its mighty great club for eleven versus your HC. That's not gonna hit. No. Nope. Uh, so it it swings and it crashes against your. Uh, do you have a shield? Yes. Yeah, it crashes against your shield and you deflect it successfully. Uh, Morlinda, you ready? Um, yes. All right, okay. it's going to go back up to you. I'm also moving your position in the lineup, so know that. Thanks for handling my inability to do combat. combat You're welcome. Quickly. We can't all be beautiful, dashing, and handsome like me. All right. Um, um, go I am going to try and set it on fire. Um, okay. So I'm going to roll... Well, that's only a 15. Is a 15 hit? Uh, a 15 is going to miss. Okay. You, f- you fire the fire into it, and it just it, it hits, but it doesn't take. Like, it just disperses. It doesn't seem like a powerful enough spell. Um, yeah. It's going to go down to Ulrich. I'm going to shoot the darn thing. Similar to Yessi, I want to do a, a perception check. I guess, like, size it up. Like, decide if I think what I'm going to do. Maybe I could do this after I shoot. Like, I'm get an idea for like mm-hmm. how much an arrow is going to hurt this darn thing or maybe yeah. maybe instead of that like see if i can isolate a weak point cuz it looks pretty wooden i rolled 15 it does look very wooden and you don't see anybody else does this thing have like eyes yeah <laughs> it's got two like glowing yellow eyes in a dark hole that you can't see a face in cool i'm going to shoot at that specifically <laughs> Okay, shoot at its face. Um, I'm also going to mark it as my hunter's mark. Ooh, nat 20. Um, nice. Yeah, which means it's a, a D8 plus 3, so that's 8, 9, 10, 11. And he was my hunter's mark, so I hit him for 15 in the, in the little eyeball spot. The arrow point disappears into the hole. You hear it. There's now kind of a uh, Woodwode unicorn attacking you <laughs> with uh, the black fletching of your, your arrow sticking right out uh, out of its head. Um, Auric, don't forget that you have, I think, four uh, plus two magic arrows uh, from the Tempesto that you have in your quiver sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Alaris, it's your turn. All right. I'm going to start things off with a firebolt 
I like this bass. Yeah, some of these basses. Like, I just imagine one of you is sitting there, like, actually practicing the bass guitar. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a 24 there, Joe. Yeah, that hits. That'll be uh, seven fire damage. Seven fire damage, and guess what? It's on fire. Yeah, and it's vulnerable. Yeah. So that's gonna it's gonna get doubled to fourteen fire damage. Finally, uh, something that actually is weak to fire, <laughs> as opposed to everything else that doesn't take any fire damage at all. Next, B, what do you got? Is there like a clear path? Like, there, is there anything in the way between Next B and the barge? We'll say no. I, well, I mean, like, there's a forest, but, like, you can run down the trail. You can get to the barge. Right. So <laughs> she's going to stay put and go towards uh, Ariel? What's her name? Neavan? Wow. <laughs> Neavan? You know. Close. You've only been hanging out with her for a few days now, but whatever. I'm sure she's not hurt <laughs> by it. She She's just going to, like, stand by her and, like, draw her dagger and make sure she's okay. She's not going to engage okay. the wood wood. Yeah, and Neavan, in her barbarian rage, she reaches on the ground and grabs this mighty limb as a great club. And you can see the passion in her eyes through the tears. Like, this, her, her emotions have transcended from, like, pain to just fury. And she is going to attack this wood wood with everything that she's got. Um, and she r- runs forward. And, Alaris, if you could take over, please. Sure. Go ahead and make that club a D10, actually. Okay. And then add, That's like... That's a big club. Right. It's a big club. It's a great club, actually. <laughs> <laughs> for that the was... audience, I'm sure that there's more stuff for, yeah. like, being enraged. I just don't have that in front that of me right now. That was a nat 20. Dang! So, D10 plus 3. So, 13 damage. Just bashing away. Nice. Grimton, your turn, buddy. So he feel like he feels like he's being outdone right now. Yeah. Like he went charging. <laughs> That's what your concern is. Headlong, <laughs> a little bit. Like, probably like tertiary concern. Okay. So he's gonna try to make up for it and swing with flame tongue again. I'm gonna assume that you're engaging this fire damage. Yes. For a fourteen. Not gonna hit. Wow. Cool. So the Woodwood is going to deflect your your attack with its uh, root shield and is going to attack you again. Uh, 17 plus 7 to hit. Uh, so yeah. that's going to make contact. 4, 6, uh, 9 plus 12. That's going to be 16 damage against you uh, as, as it just wails into you. And then it's going to make a second attack on Neavan. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, it's gonna be with disadvantage. Okay, okay cool. Uh, first one was a 13, second one was a 16, so it's gonna take the 13 versus, oh, sorry, 13 plus 7, so 20 against, um, Neavan's AC, and this is going to be 3, 7, uh, 11, 12, 12 plus 4, uh, that's gonna be 16 damage Ooh. against Neavan. She's down? How much, how many HP did I give her? 16. 15? Uh, She's down. <laughs> Not necessarily dead down? at this point, uh, but very down and certainly incapacitated for the rest of the fight. The Woodwode now is going to uh. use his the power called Tree Stride, uh, and on one of each turn, the Woodwode can use 10 feet of its movement to step magically from one living tree uh, within 5 feet of it and emerge from a second living tree within 60 feet that it can see, appearing in an unoccupied space. So it's going to step into a large tree, and Neavan, it is right up against you. Uh, it's your turn. It's my turn, or Neavan? Yep, it's your turn. Alright, so I'm gonna try and. Oh man. Yeah, I'm gonna try and set it on fire. Um, so, let's see. Yes, thank God. Does 21 hit? 21 hits. <laughs> Freaking better. Alright, <laughs> uh, let me roll. I know this is a low power attack, but it'll do. Oh, sweet. So, 7 fire damage times 2 is 14. Plus your, uh, Plus, whatever, modifiers? Oh, duh. Probably 
probably plus two. So gotcha. Sixteen, All right. and then if it's not, I'll tell you. It's gonna bring it down. Auric, your turn. If I give temporary hit points to, is it Neovan that's down? Neovan can't take temporary hit points at this time. <laughs> okay. She is otherwise occupied being down. Okay. I'm gonna shoot the the thing again. <laughs> okay, you shoot the thing. This time, utilizing one of my blue arrows. Okay. Of which I have four. So that's going to add a plus two to whatever you got? That is going to be 19. Uh, yeah, that hits. Cool. You make contact. I was again aiming for the, the same spot I shot before. The Woodwood is now a bicorn. <laughs> a what? A bicorn. A bicorn. It's a unicorn. It. Yeah. Five. Ten. Uh, Fifteen damage. All right, Alaris, your turn. We're going to hit it again with some fire. Hit it with that fire. It's a 21. That'll do it. 10 damage. You kill it. Like, it. Uh, this this fireball just blasts through. Tell us what it looks like. Uh, hand-sized, like a baseball-sized fireball. And just kind of pitch it at it. And just, like, it hits it and immediately bursts and engulfs. And just eats away. It collapses in ash Wait, and while uh, that's happening, scorched wood. Can can I can I do something? It, okay, it presumably has like legs, uh, and I imagine that it like fell to its knees, and to both retrieve my arrows and for just this is cool. I go up to it and like grab the arrows quickly and stick my foot in its face and just kick it backwards so that it just like as I get my two arrows back, specifically the blue one. When I gave you those arrows, I, I did say that the arrows can only be used once. Oh. To, to gain that bonus. Um, like once per encounter? Nope, or once ever? for forever. I mean, it still functions as a perfectly good arrow, it's just not a magical plus two arrow anymore. I see, so I only have three more magical plus two arrows. Can I flavor this? Sure. I'd like to imagine that the like electric blue fletching has faded to this like pastel blue. Uh, okay. As if power has been drawn from it. I love um, it. And I so I'm like looking at the, the end of it like hmm. when I put it back in my quiver. Uh, and Neovan, I was going to say that she was sobbing, but you know what? She's just on the ground, uh, collapsed and bloodied from a large hit to the head. Nexby r- rushes down to her and, and is like, we, we need we need to heal her. We, we got to get her up. She, we, <laughs> uh, what do you do? Chill, I got it. And then I go okay. to Okay, you're going to have to give us a little bit more flavor than that. <laughs> All right, um, so... I walk over to her, and clearly, um, she's bloodied and unconscious. Um, yeah. And so I say a, a quick prayer, a very thankful prayer. She got hit hard. Um, yeah. Uh, and thank the spirits for keeping her relatively safe. And then I put my hand on her forehead, and I breathe deeply because we all need to calm down a little bit, including myself. Um, and... I wake her up and heal her. Uh, she's fine. I don't know. I haven't. I mean, done this she's right weeping. Well, now she's, she's awake and weeping. Okay. Yeah. And she, like, the breath comes to her all of a sudden, like. <gasps> <sighs> and you could just, t- you could tell that, like, all of her energy is gone. She, she gave everything that she had, uh, in into their her her children and preserving her her uh her memories of them and offering her 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 clothes and her blade to uh to them on the uh the ancestor rock there in the sepulcher and then she fought the battle on whatever uh, reserve she had left for stamina and now it's just sapped and She's tired and crying. Grimton would like to roll a perception check. Okay. 21. There are no visible threats. Dope. 
Just imagine Grimton saying dope. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he like loosens his grip on his hilt and like relaxes a little bit. Alright. Uh sort of kneels down to where Neovan is sitting. And just like I don't know. Holds is really generous. I didn't like you know, I'm not Big Spoon right now or something like that, but like is comforting right. is comforting Neovan. And she passes out. This time not for, like, being knocked unconscious, but, like, out of exhaustion. Like, they were already feeling just the, like, wanting to take care of somebody, but then, like, a second and clearly not native to Ulrich sense of, like, connecting with the situation comes from inside them as, like, the mother bear's spirit reacts to this uh, same thing, and it, like... It, it causes it causes Auric to like cry a little bit silently. It just is like this overwhelming rush of emotion. So, Grimton has, like, he said what he said out loud, but, like, in the back of his mind, like, a secret desire, he's kind of hoping, just a little bit, that a Warforge, like, peeks through the horizon, and he has an excuse to, like, Go ham. engage it, yeah. Even you're, though he, You're gonna he, ask he knows, it to marry you? He knows it's not the smart thing. I don't think Grimton ever wants to do the smart thing. Sex club, what up? This is, on a side note, this is one of the things I really enjoy about playing campaigns is that while I understand that this is fiction and while I understand that, like, I am not all Rick Orman, I still, at this moment, feel very real, like, anxiety about what is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's how that's how it was in, you know, the previous campaign on the, you know, in the event, as you guys will recall. Um, mm-hmm. And, like... I remember going to bed, like, sad, (laughs) like, very, very sad for the death of fictional characters in an entirely made-up world, (laughs) and, like, I feel legitimately nervous for fictional characters right now. Yeah. It's just one of the things I enjoy about doing all this is, like, how, how even though, like, I'm sitting at a desk in my jammies talking into a microphone, it's still an incredibly immersive world. (laughs) so in the other campaign that i'm playing in right now everyone in the entire party hates my character (laughs) why because i'm playing an evil character for the first time in my life Ah. but no one well i mean i guess they don't really know that i'm evil player knowledge versus character knowledge wise by the way that they you say that they uh are reacting to you then it kind of sounds like they're catching on yeah. Basically, we just got finished with this giant part of our campaign where we were exploring this castle. The top part of the castle um, is controlled by this one guy and his two kids. Um, they've all been isolated for like years, like decades, or if not longer. They have developed like all this underground. So there's basically three kingdoms in this one castle. And my character is a lot like Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. As in he's always just trying to get ahead and like get his prestige up and like keep moving up the chain. And he realizes very like that he can't really move anywhere in this castle unless he wants to stay there forever. So why why would he want to be there? So he's just trying to get out. And so we like meet one of the other kingdoms leaders, and she's like, "Well, we heard rumors that there's a way out through this other passage or whatever, and like if you'll help us find it, then we'll all escape together, and it'll be cool." And we get to that exit because we find it, um, and the rumors are true or whatever, and we get out of the hole. And I'm just like, "Okay, let's just leave." 
And everyone's like, no, we gotta go back and, and tell her and so everyone can escape. And I'm like, no, we're done. We're out. Like, that's it. We're, <laughs> like, we're just done with that part of the journey. And they're like, but, but why? <laughs> I'm like, why would you want to go back in the hole we just got out of to go back and tell this random person that we don't care about this thing? And so everyone was mad at me. It's a, it's a fair reason to be upset, but my character does not give any shits about the person in that <laughs> castle. Sex Club 2, the sequel. <laughs> Sex Club 2, the sequel. To the sequel to Sex Club. Very good titling. Titillating titling. I want that to be all of my movies. The Fast and the Furious 2, the sequel to Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious 3, the sequel to Fast and the Furious 2, the sequel to Fast and the Furious. Fun Yassay! I heard, I heard the old man say, John Kanaka Naka 2. I tried to. You know, you know how I lead trips for TCU? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We went canoeing the other day and I was like, I really want to sing sea shanties. Oh no. And they're like, okay, let's sing sea shanties. And I couldn't get them to sing John Kanaka with uh, the full unbridled passion that we sing it with, (laughs) which is a real shame, you know? Mm -hmm. All that does for me is reinforce that you guys are definitely my friends. Like, (laughs) like, this is is where I find the happiest home. Because, like, without our level of foolishness, like, this wouldn't be as fun. Damn it. Hold on. Let me find this page. (laughs) Documents. D&D, mm-hmm. Manuals, 5th Edition, Monsters, uh, Volo's Guide to the Monsters. I wonder if we're about to fight something. Who knows? Well, we never <laughs> have to fight anything. Joe tweeted that out a while back. It's true. You guys do rarely have to fight anything, which is a real bummer. Not lately. This will be a third fight and like... Well, but we probably could have avoided some of those fights, maybe. Hey, there's a... Tree... <laughs> thing... Okay, you're gonna have to say that a little bit more convincingly um, and a little more in character. Fight! Okay, also for the audience, yes, I know that, like, during the the whole thing with uh, Uruk and, and Neovan and the Spectres that, like, I, I went ahead and let Uruk die, but, like, I just gave her a character sheet. I just gave Neovan a character... Have mercy, please. Don't scathe me too hard. And then I use my, uh, and then I, (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to flavor this better than I heal her. Um, Maybe if, maybe if things had gone slightly different, then we could connect, you know. Imagine if I hadn't rolled those dice and Yusatalos hadn't burned down. Hey, you know what really sucks? What? Fascism and Donald Trump. I mean, agreed, yeah, but where'd sure. that come from? I'm scrolling through Facebook as we're waiting on Yessie. Yeah. Also, to hell with Nazis and the KKK and the global fascist mm-hmm. movements. If you're comfortable with it, I'm absolutely comfortable with um, us taking an official stance. To hell with fascism? On that. Sounds good. Even if it means yeah. isolating, quote-unquote, some of our listeners. Whatever. I feel like... There is no one in the general, like, most of the population that is for, that is, like, actively and openly for racism. They might go for diet racism and, like, try to call it something else. But there's a, I feel like there's a very short list of people that be like, dude, I'm a racist. No, but let me tell you what I've been learning, learning as a master's student. We have to read about this and then talk about it in class. And though, even though I knew it was a thing, now I'm reading the research on it, and I'm like, oh my god. But it's like, explicit racism has been going, has been declining slowly since the 60s. People are getting less and less, quote-unquote, racist. However, the institutional bullshit is still there. Oh, for sure. like, yeah, congratulations, we have fewer and fewer people trying to like be violent against people because of their race but like people still can't get decent jobs like no i'm 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 definitely with you there but i think what we were like just complaining about not that that's not definitely an incredibly important issue and one that i feel uh that i agree with you on and feel strongly about 
but Joe was specifically tackling the more blatant forms of racism um, and, like, being not cool, which are the neo-Nazis uh, yeah. and the fascists. So, like, yes, I'm with you 100%. I'm kind of against all of it. I am, so. I am yeah. too, but, like, not everybody the believes. The part that I'm trying to dismantle right now is the system. Mm-hmm. Neo-Nazis will get their asses kicked. Good. Somebody can do that, but, like, right now, like, I need my my students to be able to get into college and get decent jobs, regardless yeah. of their background. I'm actually currently reading a book on this topic um, that's really good, and I recommend, Sarah. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Savage Inequalities by Jonathan Kozel. Oh, you were telling me about that. Yeah, it's really quite good. I'm, I'm about halfway through it, uh, and it's excellent. I, there's a few other of his books that I want to read, um, that are on like a similar topic. Mm-hmm. He uses actual data and anecdotal stuff that like he, this book is like he has just personally visited these schools and talked to the people who work there and go there and like got, and that's what a lot of the book is. Like it's just him telling exactly what he sees. So it's just really interesting. And it, and it deals with that kind of stuff very directly. There's a lot of really great quotes that, that sum up the problem that we see with institutionalized racism. It's a hot mess. Tis indeed.